I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. Though you may not drive a great big cat. First of all, I do want to thank once again, I'll do this every show, John and Margot Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, all the powers that be for giving us their blessing, making this trip. You know, John actually invited me on Katz and Cosby last night, and I wanted to come on, but, you know, <laughs> there's a seven-hour time difference here. So John and Rita go on at 5 p.m., for example, every afternoon. That's midnight here, midnight. So if I start talking on the phone Danielle's going to get pissed. She's going to yell. It's going to wake up Ava. She's going to start yelling. So to go on John and Rita's show, I'm going to have to set my alarm to get up at like 1130 at night and go down to the lobby to go back upstairs, go back to bed. Oh, yeah, or just wait altogether. Right, which I can't do that. I'm exhausted. No, right, exactly. So um, so they invited me on and uh, couldn't make it last night. I'll get on at some point this week, maybe tonight. But John, Margo, and Chan, thank you so much for giving uh, – you giving us, I should say, your blessings. You know, I have noticed, Justin, that uh, for the most part, people here, and again, I-, I can't point this out enough, they are skittish. They are. They're the most brave, courageous people you'll ever meet. All of them. Men, women, children. It's intense. I could never, ever, ever tell you in words, you got to be here to experience it. But at the same time, the nicest people you'll ever meet. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. They're so nice. And that has a lot to do, I think, with the national pride. I mean, it, basically every apartment, house, whatever it is, has an Israeli flag. They do. Yeah. And I'm you, always bragging yeah. about Bell Harbor, the American flags up and down my streets, and we do have that. There's uh, no better patriotic community. I know Pete King talks about Long Island. He's right. It's very nice. But Bell Harbor is the best. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's the best. But here, town after town, city after city, you're right. Israeli flags everywhere. Yeah. No pro, no Palestinian. No, no, no. Whatever that stupid flag is. <laughs> yeah. We don't see that here. Right, but it's just a contrast to what, you know, what you might be uh, perceived as in America. Yeah. If you do that. And, you know, I mean, based on what the left might think of you. Right, exactly. And then here, you know. They I mean, don't care. Everybody here. does it. They so. don't care. Right. So we go to this um, 
this uh, Goosh place this morning. And at the very end of our tour, because, again, my wife and kids are still there, they take us into one of the hangars. And I can't give away too much. These are really, really secret, you know, military informational pieces. But at the very end of the speech, these two guys, these two brave guys with machine guns, start giving me gifts. These beautiful jackets, one Israel fun jackets, and then these gorgeous, there's a very popular artist here in Israel. He's, he's French, but he's a very popular artist, and he paints these beautiful 3D pictures. And we were in a store last night by the hotel, and Danelle wanted to buy one. And ironically, here we are the next morning, this morning, and they gave us one of this guy's small paintings for free. But they gave me two of them. The other one is for Curtis. You can't make this up. So I go, Curtis, and there's a note from some lady who listens to me every day, listens to Curtis on this show every day, and is thankful that Curtis, Goy and all, Curtis Sliwa, is there for Israel like I am. So now we got to bring back this gift to Curtis while I was out there last night, last night yelling and screaming about Rikers Island and CEOs and Eric Adams, you need to know, Curtis, the people here in Israel, they love you like I do. Yes, and uh, remember, Sid, I was actually in the block uh, of Etzion. I actually stayed a night in Tekoya, which is surrounded by Palestinian villages where they've lost Israeli settlers before, even two boys that uh, were basically kidnapped, killed, disappeared in Sahara. And while I slept, you know me, I don't sleep. I'd walk around and I would see men and women on constant vigil with their guns protecting the community because they're always subject to attack. In fact, when they finally transferred me to Bethlehem, which is only about five miles away. Yeah, it's right down the road. A, a mother with a assault weapon, was driving me. Some Palestinians were throwing rocks at her in the road. She got up. She capped a few shots in the air. I said, oh, my Hashem. And those Palestinians were running, and she didn't even break a sweat. She said, happens all the time. Uh, we got to defend what we know is right. And these are the bravest of the brave. I am so happy that they brought you and Danielle and your children to that museum. If you remember, I had discussed a few days ago before you departed the museum about the history of Gush Etzion. You, you actually did do that, and believe me when I tell you, I thought about you this morning. You were the first person I thought of when I entered the museum, the command quarters. I mean, all of it, you did do that, and yes, we were there today. Do you realize that those brave uh, Israelis made a last stand there? They were slaughtered by the uh, Arab, Arab Legion, which is really crack Jordanian troops under who had been trained by the British, who were on their way to Jerusalem. And those settlers said, no, if we, if this became their Alamo. We are not going to allow them to just march their way into Jerusalem. And even though they were all slaughtered, 
even after they surrendered, they were put up against a wall, shot in the head, left to bleed and die, and yet some of them still continue to resist. I remember every year they return. There used to be this oak tree right there on the Israel-Jordan uh, border. Oh, my God. You are so learned. It's, it's unbelievable. You'll continue in two seconds. That oak tree is still there. Uh, and, and, the, and the picture that they gave to me and Danielle, and they gave to one, one for you as well, which I'm bringing home to you, is exactly that, that oak tree. Remember, remember our own Tony Orlando tied the yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. That oak tree is so symbolic of the Jews defending themselves against trained Arab legions, Jordanians, those from Iraq, those from Egypt. There weren't that many Israelis at that time, that many Jews. And, you know, right after, right after the Arab legions, Kill the people of Gush Etzion. Kill the people of Far Etzion. The very next day, Ben-Gurion declared independence for the state of Israel. That's exactly right. The very next day in 1948. I got to tell you, it's uh, just, I'm so happy that you and your family are there to experience this. All Jews, all Gentiles should. And once again, I can't say it enough. The evangelical Christians of American America are the biggest supporters of the state of Israel because they go there to do their pilgrimages first to learn about the Old Testament. And their reverends tell them, you cannot learn about the New Testament until you completely understand the Old Testament. And they're there for the Jews through thick and thin, the evangelicals in America. They are the biggest supporters. And I have to say this. The evangelicals support the state of Israel even more than the Jews of the United States. Oh, there's no doubt the Jews of the United States are the worst. I mean, I'm not even talking about the really bad ones, guys like your former partner, Ron Kuby or Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about everyday Jews whose mothers and fathers had number on their, numbers on their arms and vote for people like Joe Biden who funds Iran. I mean, I'm talking about those types of Jews, stupid, ignorant Jews who fund the other team and yell and scream about my team. But listen, I want to get to, to something else. Can I mention you know, one other thing, though? Uh, yes. Say, when you go there, when I did, I went there the year of the 50th anniversary, so that's 1998. As I went through Tekoya, they'd say, hey, I'm from Flatbush, I'm from Midwood, I'm from Regal <laughs> Park, I'm from Lakewood, yo, Curtis! We got a lot of Americans there who have done Ali, a yes. lot of people from this New York, New Jersey area who yes. have committed themselves in defense of the state of Israel. No question about it. And that was going to be my next point was that when I walk around Israel, your group, the Guardian Angels, these are amazing people, right? They're not making a ton of money. They're out there every day volunteering their services to aid fellow New Yorkers. They're brave. They're courageous. All started by you, Curtis over four decades ago. Imagine, just imagine, if everybody, everybody in New York was a guardian angel. That is Israel. Well, let me just say, upon your return, your safe return with your lovely family, as you've been just uh, just recharged with your history as a Jewish person, always under attack by almost everybody in this world, uh, I have a surprise for you about what our guardian angels are going to do in New York City on our 45th anniversary, February 13th. 
Oh, that's going to be awesome. On Valentine's Day, how about that? February 13th, or the day before Valentine's Day, my sister Elizabeth's birthday, 45 years for the Guardian Angels. So, Curtis, tell me about last night. I heard the audio at about 5.45 this morning. You yelling and screaming outside of Rikers Island how unfairly the CEOs are still being treated. It looked like, or it sounded like, I should say, you were taking a shot shockingly, at the mayor, Eric Adams. What was that all about last night? Well, first off, the swagger man with no plan has gone on this PR campaign on behalf of the cops because, uh, as you know, and he rightfully did this, he vetoed the Cop Stops bill. The city council has it on the docket today to take a vote, which means you have to understand this. If they didn't have the votes, it wouldn't be on the docket uh, the Speaker of the City Council, who's also named Adams, no relationship to Eric Adams, would never have scheduled it for a vote to override the veto if she didn't have the votes. That would be t- totally embarrassing. But all the mayor's capital has been into, oh, the cops are not going to be able to do their job. They're going to have to be doing paperwork. And that is true. I support the mayor on this. But, Sid, let me tell you something. The easiest way out of this is the cops don't have to follow it. The cops, who's going to be watching the cops that they just had a conversation with a tourist or something, and now they got to uh, put it in their iPhone or their smartphone? So there's an easy way to get around it. The group that has been abandoned are the correctional officers who, without a doubt, have the toughest job in the city. Imagine, here you are, Sid, they put you in a tier that is controlled by the Bloods or the Crips or the Latin Kings, or the Trinitarios, or MS-13, and you're by yourself, no weapons, nothing, and they say, hey, keep order in the tier, and the guys look at you and like, yo, yo, what, what, what are you going to do? Get the hell out of here, we'll kill you, we'll slice you up. This is what goes on day to day. And so this bill, which would eliminate solitary confinement, the mayor has never gone out on a PR campaign and said, hey, look, solitary confinement was eliminated by the de Blasio administration in 2016. There is no solitary confinement. And what hasn't been said, and shame on the mayor and shame on City Hall, this bill, which will not, the veto will not be overridden by the council. In fact, there will be more people voting for it than voted for it initially. 30 guys, 30 mutts and scales get on a Rikers Island prison bus to be taken to court. They've always been handcuffed, Sid, always. I know. I've been on those Rikers Island buses. Now they will not be handcuffed. Can you imagine on a Rikers Island prison bus with one driver, one Rikers Island correctional officer, and 30 mutts and scales who want to settle their differences right on the bus? It's hard enough to control kids on a school bus. How the hell are they going to control 30 Rikers Island inmates on their way to court who will not be handcuffed now? Think of that, Sid. What a mess. When did I you, where did you me... first hear, hear this? You hearing it from me because I was on the rock. Yep. Uh, Eric Adams has spent no time on Rikers Island. He's given up. He said, oh, the feds are going to take it over. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend any of my political capital. I want people to imagine that. When you get arrested, as which I've been arrested many, many times, when they put me in the back of a squad car, guess what? They have my hands behind my back, and I am handcuffed because I could easily attack the police if I wasn't. 30 guys on a correctional bus on the way to court, no handcuffs, one correctional officer, one driver. 
But that's going to be like Con Air, right? Con Air, they had him in chains and shackles, the movie. Can you imagine if the guys on Con Air were not shackled and chained, what they would have done? Think about that, Sid. The other thing is that the mayor has not explained that if an inmate slashes a correctional officer, all of a sudden he will be given a timeout for just two hours. Just two hours. Hey, calm down. You know, like you'd have with your son or daughter if they acted up. After two hours, they're put back in the general population in the same tier, in the same location that they just slashed the correctional officer. Is anybody explaining that out there? Of course not. Because City Hall doesn't care about Rikers Island. They don't care about the correctional officers. 86% of people of color, black and Hispanic, and most correctional officers now are females. Even those that are assigned to the men's uh, prison wards are females. And every day these guys are whipping out their three-piece set, oh masturbating in front of them, hey wanting, wanting to prove they don't have project, you know, uh, 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 difficulty in erectile, terms of... Erectile, yes. Right, saluting the yeah. flag, right? Because they <laughs> yeah. want to show you they're not flaccid, they're turgid. And they grab the females by their tuchus, and now nothing can be done. How the hell is a female correctional officer going to go back in there and survive this process? Does anybody speak on their behalf? Have you heard the mayor speak about that? Of course not. He has forsaken them. I've been on the rock. I've been locked up on the rock. I am in solidarity with the correctional officers who have absolutely the toughest job in the city, and they have been forsaken by city hall. They have been forsaken by city council. And you know what? I would have every city council member arrested and locked up one you know, it's like play arrest. You put into general population just for one night, and they'll be coming out saying, oh, my God, it may be a Maytag. All the horrors of what I was exposed to. Lock them up. Let them experience what life on the rock is for the correctional officer. And the inmates, many of whom are attacked, who have no means of protecting themselves when the gangs who run the prison decide to prey on them. Well done, Curtis, as always. By the way, as we wrap up this uh, great appearance, uh, a daily great appearance from Curtis Lee, I've got a message here from Arlene Antman Abrams. She says, the gift you received from Gush Etzion came from my sister-in-law, Shani Simkowitz. She's the first person who took Curtis around. She's trying to call in just to say hello and thank you for coming to Israel. Thank you for everything you are doing. So it turns out that Shani Simkowitz, Curtis, she took you around in Israel, and she's the one who gave you and I these gifts this morning. That's an example of what tough Jews are in Israel. Here, they're weak. Oh, oh they're smangerics, they're pitches. Who's going to defend us when you go to Israel? The women are tougher than most of the Jewish men here in America. They got a set there, and they pull out that assault weapon, and you don't mess with an Israeli Jewish woman, or they're going to fire you up with lead right there, and then put you on the uh, Paradise Express, and you can zoom yourself right on up to Allah's side. All true, and, uh, you know, on top of all that, they're all good-looking. 
So here you go. Oh, drop dead gorgeous. Oh, my God. This hot lady with a gun who will blow your head off at the sound of a firecracker. And uh, that does make for a very interesting afternoon. Curtis Sliwa, as Danielle, always, wait a second. Danielle, job. do not let Sid go to the beaches of Elat. Do not let him not go going. unsupervised to yeah, the beaches of Elat. The no. French, Moroccan, Jewish women. Oh, my God. Well, I know Danielle's not listening, but I can't tell you that Nancy's not, Curtis. Anyway, great job, Curtis. Check out Curtis every weekday afternoon between noon and one. The very, very entertaining Rip and Read. Of course, Curtis a great job hosting overnight weekends and what an amazing job all kidding aside an amazing job alongside me like he did just now every weekday morning around 7 15 a.m we'll take a short break when we get back you're going to get bill o'reilly's morning message and then what promises to be a very very emotional conversation rachel goldberg the mother of hostage hirsch goldberg Live in studio with me coming up in about 20 minutes right here at Alex Trayman's JNS Studios in the heart of Jerusalem. Diamond in the back, sun top, big in the scene with a gangster lean. Diamond in the back, sun top, big in the scene with a gangster lean. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to DigitalDollarReport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Sit in friends in the morning, live from Israel. WABC.
Happy birthday to Phil Collins. You know, for a while there, I was pretty sure that Phil Collins was a major supporter of the uh, PLO. But it, uh, him and Vanessa Redgrave, actually, were two of the biggest money donors anywhere. Phil Collins. I'm not uh, 100% sure about that. Lou knows these types of things. He's all over it. But, you know, I still love Phil Collins. <laughs> And it is his, uh, what, 73rd birthday today. Is that right, Lewis? Yeah, I never heard that. I'll, I'll yeah, I think he research. was like a major, major PLO guy. Yasser Arafat, that whole deal, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. people You know, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to these things now. I mean, let me tell you how crazy I am already. Now, don't forget, folks, first trip ever to Israel. I just bought a house not even two years ago in my dream neighborhood, Bell Harbor, Queens. Now, it's been a nightmare. We had the pipes froze, the pipes burst. We had to move back to New York City, that dump, for the better part of six months. We get home. We've got a leak in the, in the uh, not the roof. Gunner Roofing did a great job, not in the roof, but my bricks are a mess. So it has been a nightmare when it comes to that. But to be honest, we love living there. We love our neighbors Billy and Jackie Felton, their daughter Valentina, celebrated a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Val. Our other neighbors on the other side of the house, John and Margaret. People down the block like Joe and Maria Ferrante, Joe Murray, you know, the La Sorrentina guys, the Pastor, the, uh, the, the, uh, Rustico Panini guys, all those guys. It's a great place to live. Louis lives there. I love Sean Cerrone and my new gym, Burn Fitness. Mike Sullivan's right down the block at Breezy Point. It's a great place. I love it. But two days in Israel, and I swear to God, Lou, on the cab ride home, uh, cab ride home today from Kushetion, I'm talking about buying a place in Tel Aviv. <laughs> that I could have predicted. Yeah. I'm like, what does it cost? And Alex's like, well, here's the bad news. If you thought San Francisco and New York was expensive, a small condo in Tel Aviv these days goes for like three and a half million shekels. Ah, that's fine. Which equates to about two million American dollars. So I may have to uh, put that on hold. Please make sure there's no leaks. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine that? Yeah, that would be you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe this. Look at all this water. I can't help it, man. I love it here. I love the people. I love how much they love their land. You know, and, and again, not everybody here is ultra-religious. Most people are not. It's not like like Borough Park. You're walking around, everybody's Hasidic, Orthodox. That's not the case at all here. In fact, we're staying in that part of Jerusalem, not even close. But there is a a feeling, a patriotic feeling in this country that I've never experienced any place else, nothing even close. And listen, they've got a divided government. They've got liberals and conservatives. Benjamin Netanyahu, my guy conservative, they had a liberal government installed just a couple of years ago. They don't get along. Now, right now, they're working together since the war, which they have to do, but don't kid yourself, they hate each other. Much like most Israelis say the right things about America, but they hate Joe Biden. Hate him. But yet, the people on the street are as united, more united than any people in the world. You come here, 
to Curtis's point, you try to cause some trouble, there ain't going to be a sit-down. There's not going to be a slap on the wrist. They're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to kick the shizzle out of you. And when we had that in New York, Bloomberg and Giuliani, really Giuliani, it was a special city. Now it's a dump. I mean, Eric Adams said it himself when I was complaining to him weeks ago. He was on the show for 30 minutes. He was a good sport, Eric Adams. He answered every question. And when I raised the issue of pro-Palestinian rallies in New York to Eric, he said to me, and I quote, we are and always have been a city of protests. What? That makes it okay? That makes it okay? It's gross. It's disgusting. BLM, gross, disgusting. Pro-Palestinians, gross, disgusting. Not here. Not in Jerusalem. Yassal. <laughs> I'm going to watch the jazz singer twice tonight, Lewis. How about that? <laughs> you can't tell. I'm going to run for mayor of some Etzion somewhere. I don't know. I met the mayor of Gush Etzion this morning. I could be mayor somewhere. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry. Like in New York, they'll come up with all these horrible things about me. Right. I don't think in Israel they'll go look. Not just grow Put anything beard. real juicy, you just know. Just grow out your beard. It's yeah, that's it, right? you got to be long like Santa Claus. Like, uh, like you have to be like that? Like what if I go like the way I look right now? Be like a handsome mayor. Rugged, bald, tan, muscular. Only a handsome Etzion mayor. I don't know if you have the time to get to the gym no. six times a week. Just don't go well, past the last that. five years. That's all. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everything will be fine. <laughs> all right, got to take a break. I know that uh, Rachel Goldberg, again, this is, in terms of media coverage, you know, we've... Heard about Noah, young lady being held hostage. We heard about and have since heard from, thank God she's home, Mia Shem. But of all the uh, folks that are still being held hostage, nobody has been more outspoken than Hirsch's mom, Rachel Goldberg. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Live from Israel. 77 WABC. It's been seven hours and fifteen days. Since you took your love away. here locally in Jerusalem, for 749 back home in New York City as we return to what is day two of four days of programming live from Alex Trayman's JNS Studios here in Jerusalem. And as I told you about all morning long, Rachel Goldberg, who joined me on this program about three weeks ago, 
It was right about the time that the October 7th tragedies were 100 days old. And because of Rachel now wearing a 116 on her shirt, I wore number 100 on my lapel when I was on Fox News with Brian Kilmeade that Saturday night. She told me about it. So now I know it's exactly about 19, 20 days ago. Her son Hirsch has been held captive since that awful day. He, you know, of all the, you know, all the kids I see and, and the girls we see often, Noah and Amia's home, but for me, the boys, the men, uh, Hirsch is the one that I keep seeing. And I've seen his mom, who's so courageous on television, do media a thousand times in an effort to bring home not just her son, but the other 130-plus hostages that are still being held. So it was an honor having Rachel on my radio show three weeks ago, but to actually be looking at you, you're sitting right in front of me, is, is pretty intense. It's great to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm glad you are here. I'm not going to ask you this question, how right. are you, because that's right. a stupid question. Right. Uh, but it is 116 now. So does 116 still feel like yesterday? Because the last time you were on, you said, just rewind the tape from yesterday. Every day since October the 7th has been the same. Still that way, yes? Right. It does really, it's a very um, unique feeling that time doesn't pass and time passes, meaning we're frozen in time of October 7th. That day is every day. It's Groundhog's Day, uh, a movie I never saw, but I know that the reference is that you wake up and you're just trapped back in a certain day, and we are trapped in October 7th. So the last thing, and I hate to bring back these, uh, these hurtful memories, but for the audience I have to, you heard from Hirsch, uh, you had heard from a, a, uh, a witness who was, I guess, in the pile of bodies that his arm had been blown off uh, underneath the elbow, uh, but he still managed to text you when he was on the way back to Gaza in one of their trots, these animals, and he said, um, I love you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, of course, in anticipation of the pain that you and your husband, your family and friends were about to feel. Clearly, he's a wonderful kid to say that. I'm sorry. He actually said, I'm sorry. And that was the last time you heard from him. And you've heard nothing since? Nothing. Is that right? Well, just to correct it a tiny bit of the sequence of what happened, the chronology, um, we had received those texts at 8.11 in the morning on Saturday morning. And that we now understand from the video that we have seen, that was before he was captured. Gotcha. So he was in the bomb shelter with 28 other young people from that music festival, and the bomb shelter came under attack. And it was at some point, either right before that attack or as that attack was happening, that he managed to send us two quick texts saying, I love you and I'm sorry. And then the bomb shelter was attacked with hand grenades and machine gun fire. Most of those kids were dead uh, right away. And the few who were hiding under the bodies, as you mentioned, were able to tell us that when Hirsch Hirsch stood up, because Hamas gunmen came in and told three of the young men who were wounded but clearly alive, they couldn't pretend to be dead, told them to stand up and come outside, that's when they told us that they saw Hirsch's left arm from the elbow down had been blown off. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, the three young men were marched outside to a Hamas pickup truck. And the last phone cell signal that we had from Hirsch's phone was at 1025 in the morning inside of Gaza. And since then, we don't have any information um, from the hostages who were released in that first cohort um, in November, at the very end of November, we understand that the first people who were taken, and Hirsch was one of the early morning people who were taken, um, the first stop was medical treatment. So the working assumption and our prayerful, hopeful assumption is that he did get medical treatment for that spontaneous amputation that he had suffered in the bomb shelter. Did somebody tell you they saw a tourniquet wrapped around or he had done that? I thought I heard that somewhere. Um, He was wearing a sleeveless shirt, and the three people who we spoke to who saw him stand up had all told us that there were a few minutes from after the attack until the uh, people from Hamas entered the bomb shelter. And during those few minutes, it was very hot, it was very smoky, and it was very dusty. So I think that Hamas was waiting outside for the dust to settle. And it must be that during those few minutes, Hirsch somehow created some sort of bandage or tourniquet of some sort because everyone noticed that there was fabric hanging from the wound. And in the video that we have, we can see when he turns to sit down on the pickup truck, the stump mm. where his arm was, you see jagged bones sticking out, and oh you do see and you do see um, fabric wrapped around it. You do see that, Rachel Goldberg. So that was a Shabbos morning, correct? And I think I heard you also say that you're pretty religious. You don't usually go to your phone on Shabbos. Right. Was it mother's intuition, or had you heard that something had happened? Why did you put your phone on that Saturday morning? So it was right around 8 in the morning. I was sitting at our kitchen table having a cup of tea. My husband at 7.30 had left for synagogue. And we started to hear, I started to hear bomb sirens in Jerusalem. So I ran to my girls. I have two daughters. I ran to their bedrooms to wake them up so we could get into our bomb shelter that's in our apartment. And we waited. The protocol is you wait 10 minutes after you hear a a bomb siren. And if you don't hear an explosion, then you can come out. So when I came out, I knew that Hirsch and his best friend were camping out somewhere. But but that that was very far from here. That was like a couple of hours south. I didn't know. I didn't know where they were. All I knew is that rockets were falling somewhere, and my son was sleeping outside with his friend, and I wanted to make sure they were okay. So I said to my girls, I'm turning on my phone, and I ran to the drawer where we keep our phones on Shabbat, and I turned it on, and that was at 8.20-ish, and the two texts had popped up, both from 8.11. What, um, boy, what do you do next? After that, you got those two texts. What did you do next? Right. So there was a panic. Obviously, you know, my throat closed. My stomach clenched up immediately because I just knew, especially the I'm sorry, that he was in the midst of or about to experience something horrible. Um, So I said to my 20-year-old daughter, we have to figure out what is going on around Israel that would have been where these boys were, that something bad is happening. So at this point, you still had no idea. No idea, because we don't use the TV, the radio, nothing. So my daughter helped me on my phone, and right away she found an advertisement for the Nova Music Festival. And she said, you know, Hirsch had just returned from nine weeks in Europe, going to six different countries by himself. In each country, he went to a music festival. 
So he was wild about music festivals. And the best friend he was with was an incredibly accomplished lyricist, musician, and singer. And so it made sense that the boys would have been at the festival. So we, I texted a third friend of theirs who was out of the country, but I said, are Hirsch and Honor at the Nova Festival? And he said, they are there. Right. Wow. Uh, well, you did uh, promise me that when this is all over with and Hirsch is home and he goes on his next big uh, music tour, if you will, that you would come in with him and he would visit me in New York. I'm going to hold you up to that. I'm sure he'll love going on a music tour with his mother. He would like that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, after this, maybe. He may. Maybe. He may. Yes. This is going to change people just a little bit. So let's take a quick break. When we get back, uh, the United States seemingly working on this, Israel working on this, but there's a big war going on in the South and maybe now in the North too. How much more difficult does it make it for Israel to bring our Hirsch home? We'll talk to Rachel Goldberg on the other side of this incredible conversation, only right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 